Lindsay. Hey, Quinn. So, uh, if you're listening to this episode without listening to Public Health and Social Marketing Part 1, I would recommend that you go and listen to Part 1 and then join us for Part 2, because that's how numbers work. Great job. Uh, So, yeah, today's show is Part 2 of our short series about social marketing and the Social Marketing Conference. Um, Again, listen to Part 1 for some of the history of marketing used to promote positive health outcomes and healthy behavior changes, as well as an interview with Dr. Becky Freeman. Today, we're going to talk about the future of social marketing and chat with Jeff Jordan, President and Executive Creative Director of Rescue, the Behavior Change Agency. So, where are public health and specifically social marketing heading? Well, there's a lot of factors that play into its complicated direction. As we try to tackle chronic illness, we're starting to see the complex complex systems that impact chronic disease and the need for a multitude of social, environmental, and, and policy approaches. The social marketing framework can easily be integrated into these multi-level approaches, but it's not the silver bullet. More work is being done on how to use social marketing at the policy level, either in educating and influencing policymakers or engaging constituents on important community issues. Another variable that social marketers are grappling with is the digital landscape. Social media and the internet have become powerful communication and engagement tools, but we have yet to truly understand how to use them in public health interventions and in social marketing. And speaking of social media, uh, social marketing also has the task of differentiating itself from social media and accurately describing what it does. And there's a lot of debate even within the social marketing community, on what social marketing is. But basically, the TL semicolon DR of this is social marketing. Internet speak moment. Yeah, no problem. You know, I'm trying to be hip with the kids. Uh, So in other words, social marketing needs to do a better job of social marketing itself. Ah, yes. So... I know that anytime I'm out and I'm trying to explain to people what I do, they're like, oh, social media. And I'm like, no, 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 no. It's not social. It's social marketing, not social media marketing, which is, there's another word in there for another reason. So, yeah. So, yeah. So I think those are, I mean, there's a lot of different directions I think that social marketing is heading in, especially given that it's used globally, you know, different um, political systems have used it in different ways. So, um, but it's a really cool field. And if you're really interested in health communication and, or if you work in the marketing field, but want to use your powers for good, social marketing is a really cool way of doing that. And it doesn't just have to be in the public health field. So, yeah. So our, our inner, our next interview in this episode is with Jeff Jordan, as we discussed earlier, and he's... Pretty awesome. He's like a rock star of social marketing. Yeah, exactly. Or like I put it, uh, the Don Draper of public health and (laughs) behavior change. Yes, you did did actually say that. There is Twitter documentation of you saying that. Yes. So so Jeff Jordan started Rescue Social Social Change Group, that's what it was called, uh, when he was 17 years old. When I was 17, I was mostly shoving Cheez-Its into my mouth and watching, uh, like, Dragon Ball Z. Not much has changed. That's, hey. <laughs> uh, so, 
While growing rescue social change groups, Jeff studied marketing for his undergraduate degree and received a master's in experimental psychology from the University of California, San Diego. As founder of a strategy called social branding, Jeffrey focuses on the relationship between identity and behavior to change behavior through culture. Yeah, what I really liked about his um, his whole approach was not just finding a message for an audience, but also finding an actionable audience. Exactly. So it's not just finding the right message, it's actually finding the right audience. Exactly. In which you can make a change. Mm-hmm. And, and then once you've identified that audience that's ready to make a behavior change, then you find your message that resonates with that audience. Right. Because the same messages don't resonate with everyone. And that can even be broken down within um, you know, traditional subgroups like mm-hmm. teenagers. Teenagers are not all the same. There are subgroups within teenagers. There's the preppy kids. There's the, you know, the loners. There's the other, and they all respond differently to different messages. And they all have different motivations to change. Yeah. So um, I think he's doing great work, and we had a, a really good chat. So. Yeah, enjoy the interview. Whole social marketing okay. um, episode. So. Okay, great. Yeah. yeah. Based on our conversations here at the conference. So. You want to get started? Cool. Yes. Uh, so, welcome to the Viral Podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Jeff, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Great. Yeah. So, my name is Jeff Jordan. I'm uh, President and Executive Creative Director at Rescue, the Behavior Change Agency. Mm-hmm. And we are we focus on behavior change marketing, social marketing for um, uh, for primarily for health uh, issues. Mm-hmm. So we do a lot of work in tobacco, obesity, sexual health, uh, uh, drug prevention, and uh, work with all age groups. Um, but are uh, pretty well known for a lot of our youth and young adult work, where we've been working for you know sixteen years now. Awesome. So can you give maybe just kind of a short explanation of what social marketing is? Yeah. So, um, for us, um, (laughs) social marketing is, is, you know, the process of using commercial marketing principles to cause positive social change and the, you know, how you interpret that I think is, is different uh, across the board. Mm -hmm. And so what we've spent a lot of time trying to do is understand, okay, well, we're going to apply these commercial marketing principles, but what's different uh, about changing behavior uh, for good versus trying to sell a product. And that's really where we've tried to differentiate ourselves in that understanding of what's different between the, the two fields. Perfect. So the, the end is more altruistic rather than like purely capitalistic where you're trying to sell a product. That doesn't mean though that you can't be a business. You, you're still though trying to um, generate some kind of social change. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the, the the difference really is not necessarily in the in the profitability of it. Um, you know, we're a we're a company. Um, there's there's plenty of social enterprises out there. Uh, we're a B Corp. Uh, there's a lot of B Corps out there that are you know trying to do good. Um, the difference really is in in how you are who you are marketing to. And so the commercial world, you know, its its goal is to sell product or service. And so it's looking for it's uh, the lowest hanging fruit Mm -hmm. who is most likely to buy this product and how do we get them to buy more? And so usually they're looking at people who already engage in the behavior required to consume that product. 
Um, and in contrast, behavior change is often looking at the opposite. Who is least likely to engage in this behavior and how do we convince them to do so? Right. So, um, so the uh, good example is, you know, you never see a car company targeting bicyclists, mm-hmm. right? You never see a bank targeting people who have conspiracy theories against banks, right? You never like they're never going after that hard to reach person. In contrast, we always are, and so that kind of flips the paradigm of what should your messaging look like, who your audience is, and all that. And and people struggle sometimes to switch between that, which is where you get this whole idea of preaching to the choir. Consumer marketing is preaching to the choir. Mm-hmm. The choir buys your product. Right. So that it works. That's profitable. <laughs> that is where the money is, yeah, right? Yeah. But then when sometimes when those, you know, marketers or just, just even regular people who are who mm-hmm. see marketing every day try and translate, it ends up being a kind of preaching to the choir strategy because that's what works in the commercial world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, we we talk sometimes in social mar- in, in the social marketing classes that I've taken, you know, about you still want to make sure that your return on investment is good. You know, you you don't necessarily want to like completely go for you know the hardest to reach, most resistant crowd, but you also, like you said, don't want to go to the people that are already engaging in that behavior. You can you can find a crowd that you know. It, that needs to be helped or needs to have that behavior change because their health, their health outcomes are terrible. But um, you have to make it, you know, I guess as successful as you can. And but Absolutely. there's still the struggle of we do want to reach the hard to reach people because they are the ones that have the worst health outcomes. So it's a it's definitely a it's a balancing act. Yeah. So yeah, and that you know, just looking at the people in the middle, like you know, if you're a commercial company, mm-hmm. your your kind of target is the people who are performing the behavior most mm-hmm. likely, but are doing it with another brand. Yeah. And that's okay. your target audience. Yeah. And then for us, it might be the kind of not quite hardest, hardest, hardest to reach, right. but you're still looking at people who don't perform the behavior. Right. Exactly. And that's they're they're still kind of on on opposite sides of a, of a, of an invisible line. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Okay. So you talked a little bit about some of the issues that rescue has, you know, has been tackling. Um, and how can social marketing address like other complex issues? What are some other issues that you would like to see social marketing tackle that maybe hasn't been touched yet? Yeah, I, I think that, um, you know, there's a lot of room for social marketing in complex issues. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, I think even, you know, within an issue like obesity, there's still social marketing is still kind of in its infancy in yeah. that space, mm-hmm. trying to figure out, well, what is the right mix and how, how does it fit with all these things that need to happen? Um, and we look at social marketing more as, as a framework for thinking about how to organize some of these strategies together rather than saying like, well, social marketing is the campaign. Like social marketing can be the framework for all of it and help you understand your audiences and who different things appeal to. It's more of a way of thinking mm-hmm. um, because a lot of times what happens in public health is there's things like policy change where it's like, well, policy change is for everybody. And it's like, yes, a law applies to everybody, but who is impacted most by this particular law and then who is not impacted by it and how are you reaching that group? Um, and that conversation doesn't happen as often as it should. And social marketing kind of brings that com- conversation forward. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that it's, I like you using it as a framework because I, we hear a lot like, oh, can you develop a social marketing campaign? And mm-hmm. it's like, well, we can do a campaign, but right. social marketing is an approach to the campaign. Right. So, right. Yeah. Um, 
So how do organizations institutionalize social marketing principles and where does that start? Um, you know, it really, it, it should start at the funder level, mm-hmm. um, but rarely does. Yes. Um, because, you know, what we see is, um, as a, as a contractor, mm-hmm. uh, it starts at the RFP level. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. A poorly written RFP yep. will get you a poor partner. Um, because that's what you told your reviewers to go find essentially by kind of creating a scorecard that way and all that. And so, um, you know, it's, this is a kind of a self-serving statement, but it is very true. Like the, the, the best impact that could ever happen in, in public health and social marketing would be for there to be more resources to help write better RFPs. Yes. Um, and for grants as well and things like that, you know, we're always, we know what we need to do, but if it's not responsive to what they're asking for, we have to respond to what they're asking for. Um, so, so, and that goes back to the funder, you know, technically yeah. that's, that's the funder. So, so I, I think, you know, if you had a funder out there who really understood social marketing, um, and tied their funding to those things, then, then you would have, you know, completely different, uh, ideas come forward, completely different programs. We wouldn't have to spend the first six months to a year working together, trying to educate you, um, to get you to a, a good starting point. Yeah. And I think that's not talked about a lot, you know, right. at all. And, right. and a lot of it is because it's a touchy subject because it's, it is, it's yeah. funding. But yeah. I do think that, you know, that kind of actually goes into our next question, which is how can social marketing better market social marketing? <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> that, that one is, is tough because, um, I think social marketing can be as broad or as specific as the person you're talking to. Mm -hmm. And there are definitely uh, some folks who, who really, you know, kind of protect social marketing as, you know, it is this specific thing. You're either doing it or you're not doing it. And, and you need to call yourself a social marketer and you need to call what you do social marketing. And that's the only way. Um, our approach is a little different. You know, we like to, we interchangeably use the term behavior change, uh, with social marketing because not everyone understands what social marketing is. Um, or maybe had a bad experience with somebody who used the term social marketing. And so we like to say, look, we're in the business of behavior change. Um, we know if you look at the principles that we apply to every campaign, you will see obvious social marketing tenants in there, like, you know, consumer orientation for, you know, audience orientation, for example. But in order to get everyone under the tent, we, we speak more broadly about it, Mm -hmm. um, and, and use behavior change marketing a lot. And so, um, that's, I think a debate that will continue for a long time is do we, do we say, Hey, what we're all here doing every day is behavior change. And we have this framework called social marketing that helps us do it better. Or are we all here doing social marketing and you're either in or you're out. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's where we, we fall more on the broader definition. Let's get everyone through the door and try to kind of, you know, raise all ships, mm-hmm. um, rather than kind of making it feel inadvertently because people wouldn't say they do this, but inadvertently it feels like a litmus test. Like if you're not a social marketer, then can you come to this conference? Can you get, and anyone here would say yes, but is that the message we're sending? Sure. Yeah. I like that, you know, trying to avoid using the jargon, but bring it back to a common place where everyone can agree that we all kind of know behavior change and we can support that. Yeah. And using social marketing as a tool, as a framework, I think is a really good approach you know, Yeah, to helping it out. Yeah. yeah, no, you're right though. There are very, you know, there's still not a um, really concise 
uh, definition for social marketing. But you could say that about public health. There's so many different definitions for what public health is yeah. versus population health. You know, like it. So it's really just whoever wants to take the time to try and define it. Right. <laughs> so, right. And who's like and the loudest. Yeah. There, there's a lot of definitions out there and it's like, um, you know, I, that's why I, I like to look at it as principles and mm-hmm. that you, that guide you rather than, oh, here's, you know, all the boxes you got to check to know that you're doing social marketing or not. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, I did want to say I, we went to your, um, talk on obesity yesterday, which that entire systems map was super overwhelming because <laughs> I was just like, yeah, it is really complex. And to put it visually is even more overwhelming than just thinking about it. But one of the things that I thought was interesting was, you know, thinking about that, but also thinking about your original keynote speech, um, and how you said that it doesn't matter what the, why a person changes their behavior as long as they get to that end goal. And in one of our previous episodes, we actually talked about public health and propaganda. And that was one of our questions. Is it right? Even if like the reason a person changes, isn't necessarily like altruistic. If the outcome itself is good, like if they do decide, Hey, you know, I do want to be healthier, mm-hmm. you know, by exercising or whatever, but maybe the reason isn't necessarily like what public health professionals would traditionally want to hear. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just really wanted to kind of like hear more of your thoughts on that. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's, we don't want to say that like, oh, complete any, any reason at all is, right. is fine. You know, we don't want to put fake information out there. We don't want right. to right. mislead Because credibility mislead is people. a huge piece of Absolutely. what we do. But there are, there are many paths mm-hmm. uh, to the end goal. And I would, I would say they range from neutral to good paths. Right, 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 right. Um, I like to use this example because I think social marketing is really, um, that the principles of social marketing really apply to what's going on politically. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there was a few years ago um, in Georgia, there was a, uh, a new law of some kind that was going to make it harder for uh, solar panel people to, mm-hmm. to do their work. We remember that because we're both from Florida, so oh, we were yeah. watching that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I don't remember the, the exact stuff in the, in the uh-huh. law, but what happened after was really interesting because since the solar panel industry had already kind of been established in Georgia, Mm -hmm. there were already a lot of workers working in solar panels and they were going, their jobs were going to be threatened. Mm -hmm. And so what happened was this whole workers movement came forward through the tea party. Interesting. And there were tea party leaders in Georgia who were standing up and saying, this is a bad law. It's going to affect jobs in Georgia. And it was, there was no, almost no environmental argument was cutting, you know, coming through the fray because mm-hmm. the Tea Party folks were so loud about the jobs in, impact um, that it just showed how you could, you could completely avoid the global warming, climate change debate right. and just say, look, solar panels are good for jobs and they're, they're cheap, they're efficient. Here's how many people are employed by them. Can we protect these jobs? And suddenly you have all of these people who are like, yeah, let's do it. And so in that case, it's like, did we convince Tea Party people that climate change is real? No. But did you protect the solar panels? Yeah. That's a, that's a really good uh, example. Well, that's, that's part of knowing your audience and understanding their values. Yeah. And, and there's nothing, I don't think there's anything manipulative or, or, or anything about that, but it's, it's meeting people where they are. 
Yeah. Yeah. And there's, and unfortunately, there's constantly kind of political litmus tests that, that happen where it's like, well, if you don't support this for the right reason, then you don't support it. Right. And, and, you know, that's how we get stuck with a lot of problems that, that occur where it's like you're, you have to be a purist and you have to be completely aligned with all of this mm-hmm. thinking in order for us to trust you mm-hmm. um, when there's so many different ways to look at an issue, a behavior, or whatever it might be. And I think a lot of public health um, campaigns get caught up in that, mm-hmm. you know, because we do, obviously, we want people to be healthy for good reasons right. um, and for these specific reasons, right? Because right. This is the research. This is what we do. We know what's best for you, right? And right. people hate that. Oh, they, hate yeah. <laughs> they hate it so much. Right. So. Yeah, we should be sharing ideas to improve your life, not telling you what to do. Yes, mm-hmm. that's great. Well, um, so every episode we ask our guests, what are they reading or enjoying? Um, mm. And it doesn't have to be public health or social marketing related. Right. It could be what TV show are you watching right now? Right, or right. Yeah. Okay. So. Let's see. Well, reading, um, I, I'm i about halfway through Hamilton. I just finished that. Yeah. I just <laughs> finished He's a huge that. Hamilton. It, it is a long journey. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, for me at least, it was one of the best written biographies that I've ever read. It's fascinating and so fun to read. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, definitely inspired by the show to read it, but, but reading it is a whole different adventure and yeah. yeah, so much more information in there than, than you didn't know. Did you see the show? I did. Oh, wow. wow. That's cool. I went to <laughs> Hamilton on the last night that Lin-Manuel was Hamilton. Cool. And got to share the audience with J-Lo and John Kerry and what? like all these people were there. It was, it was just, <laughs> were you just like, this it was is so amazing. Crazy. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> it's yeah. So cool. I'm so jealous. <laughs> Despite what John Kerry's secret service said, I did get a, a selfie. <gasps> he was like, you're probably not going to get one. I'm like, well, I'm going to keep saying I was just until like, I let's do. see. Yeah. <laughs> that, is, that is a great story. That is awesome. So, yeah, no, it's, it's an incredible show and an incredible book. Yeah, and it really made me, it made me more interested in learning about the other founding fathers, too. Like, well, Chernow right. wrote a book about Washington, which I want to read. Okay. He, uh, and I also want to read more about Madison and... Jefferson and just like how they all hated each other. (laughs) And you hear about, you hear people talk about the founding fathers as if they were one homogenous group of people when in reality they were not. Right. And they had all sorts of different opinions. And yeah, I mean, they had a lot of different opinions. And so young. Too, yeah, very which young. is incredible. So yeah. you, can, you can imagine all their hormones driving them and their yeah. you know high high yeah. emotions and everything, like sex scandals <laughs> and lying and backstabbing yeah. and duels and you're just like, right. Whoa, real founding fathers of DC, right? Yeah, it, could, it really could have been. Yeah, it really could have been. Oh yeah. my gosh, that's awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to meet with us and talk to us about uh, social marketing and what you're doing. So Rescue Absolutely. sounds like an awesome, awesome, awesome company. So yeah, yeah. You can work. check out our, uh, I recommend our YouTube page more than anything okay. because we have um, a lot of uh, videos of presentations and things there. Yeah. So YouTube.com slash rescue agency. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And your presentations are all, they're very engaging. You're very good at, you know, putting together a PowerPoint where you're not where you're actually engaging the audience versus reading off the PowerPoint. So, but um, not that that's the bar I set, but but your, it, your it presentations are great. Yes. yes, yes. So, well, thank awesome. you. Yeah, well, thanks again. So, All right. Yeah, cool. perfect. Enjoy the rest of the conference. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. thanks for... Yep, thanks and we'll be in touch. So. Okay, yes, and then we'll blast it out. All right, so I uh, hope you enjoyed that interview. We just wanted to kind of 
debrief a little bit about the conference. So how do you think it went? I thought it was really great. I had the opportunity to talk to a lot of different people from different fields, you know, and uh, one of the, one of my favorite sessions actually was the session about um, how do we tackle digital? You know, there's, I think the... That sounds kind of like a, that sounds kind of like a Trump quote. Oh God. What do we do about the cyber? (laughs) Like, that's not a sentence that that's, anyone says. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Please continue. I'm going to slap you in the face. Okay. No, it's fine. Um, no, uh, I think what was really cool about that session was his his whole tagline, and, and Jeff Jordan actually facilitated that session, was digital is not the answer, it's the question. So That's like a trick. Exactly. But it's thinking about, because everyone's like, oh, well, we've got this really cool public health intervention. Let's make an app. But Is an app what you need to? Exactly. Yeah. So the question should be, how is digital, is any sort of digital application appropriate? And what digital application is appropriate for whatever audience you're trying to reach? Or, you know, like what kind of intervention you're doing? So, um, and I think... That's where a lot of public health interventions fail is that they're like, well, we want to be innovative. And when they hear innovative, they think technology. Yeah. Sometimes it's not technology. Sometimes it's just framework or collaboration or, you know, there's lots of different ways to be innovative without adding a semi-useless app. Or uh, also brands and messages can be really well-liked and really well-recognized without causing change, like the Got Milk campaign yes, or Verb, it's what you do, where the Got Milk campaign was in the 90s, early 2000s. They tried to get people to drink more milk and improve, you know, their calcium intake and stuff. And they had all these, like, cute ads of Mm -hmm. people, celebrities with milk mustaches, and everyone can recognize it and quote it. But did it really improve any, uh, any outcomes? Not really. No, it did not. Same thing with um, the verb one, which is basically verbs or action words that we go out and do stuff. Right. Basically, was was the whole be active and and all that, but it didn't really lead to a whole lot of more uh, physical activity. So just because something is memorable doesn't necessarily mean that it changed right. behavior. Exactly. Yeah, and I think that you know, even working as a graphic designer, you know. I I enjoy making doing branding and doing logo design and doing um, visual communication really well, especially in the public health arena because a lot of times we don't do it really well. But I also want to ensure that that visual communication also motivates people. I and I also understand that a, a graphic isn't going to necessarily be the silver bullet for motivating somebody to change their behavior. It's got to be multifaceted. There has right. to be, you have to change the environment that the person is in. You know, if you think about large entities like Coca-Cola, it's not that their logo is super awesome and people love the color red and white. It's because there is a Coca-Cola machine within six feet of any person at any given time in a public or private space. And, and the same thing can be said about like McDonald's, who um, they communicate and deliver a very clear and unified promise across a complex system of channels. And they 
you can go to a McDonald's in Iowa, you can go to a McDonald's in New York City, you can go to McDonald's in Utah, Florida, and you're generally, with very little regional variation, going to get the same exact thing. Exactly. And it's, it's comforting for people, it's um, reliable, they know what they're going to get, and with public health, there are so many different campaigns and so many different messages that sometimes it's just hard for people to latch on to any one of them because there's so many different things being said all the time. Um, should we eat healthier, drink more water, get more exercise, make sure you get your flu shot, make sure you do this and that and the other thing. Um, and while those are different and kind of in their own silos, it's like overwhelming for people. Yeah, and I think one of the, in the interview with um, Jeff Jordan, one of the things we talk about is um, it doesn't matter what somebody's purpose for changing is as long as they get to that end behavior. And I think that we have done a really, like, not great job in public health by shaming people or using fear-based tactics like in the health belief yeah. model you know like they work a little bit for those people who are susceptible to it not but for the majority they're not sustainable no because people get desensitized or or they you know they get so irritated i think with that messaging that they're just like oh my god stop nagging me you know i think a lot of times we're like the moms of yeah the world and i and that's not necessarily uh, that that's not helpful in maintaining behavior change. Right. So, um, I think one other thing that I that I really got out of it was um, you can always try to segment your audience more mm-hmm. to find out, you know, dig a little bit deeper and find out what types of people you want to reach. Not necessarily what types of things you want to say to them. Mm-hmm. You kind of have to flip that that thinking. Um, and that segments can also help reach new audiences because you may not have thought that uh, a particular subgroup in your population it needs a, ter- a certain message until you identify them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was it was good. Yeah, getting to know your audience is very, very important, you know. And... You know, sometimes trying to go after the most vulnerable, most at risk, you know, most resistant to change group is not necessarily feasible. Yeah. Or cost effective or, you know, I mean, sometimes you really have to think about, you have to think about it in true marketing terms. Like what's your return on investment? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what's reasonable? So I'm not saying that you should go for the, obviously you shouldn't be like, well, I'm going to, for my obesity prevention campaign, I'm going to target, you know, marathon runners. Yeah. Well. Um, did you see the giant bird? <laughs> I did see the giant bird. Okay. Did you talk to the people there? Because I didn't. For one second, I thought you were going to ask me if I talked to the giant did you? bird. Okay. And then A, I was like. Part one, did you talk to the giant bird? Um, <laughs> part two, did you talk to the people, the handlers? Of the giant bird. Uh, and me and the giant the bird giant had a really good there. conversation about the uh, marketing mix. No, I'm just kidding. The giant bird with glasses. Who was blue, right? Giant blue bird, probably about seven feet tall. Yeah, with a big um, old smile on his beak. You can find him in my nightmares. Yeah. I actually didn't get to talk to the bird nor the people at that booth, so. 
Did you? I don't. No, I didn't. I don't know if they were trying to attract people or frighten them because um, yeah. I would probably be put in the latter category. Although now I'm regretting it. I should have gone to talk to those giant bird people. <laughs> now they're giant bird people. They've been assimilated with the bird, and now they're actually bird people. Yes. Okay. So if you were one of the giant bird people, um, or the handlers, or the bird, if you're listening. Actually, yes. Um, I would love to interview reach the out bird. to us. <laughs> and if we can interview the bird, I would, I would like that. Yeah. And if you were a social marketer out there... Um, and you went to the, um, the the World Social Marketing Conference, like, tweet at us. We would love to hear how you enjoyed the conference and, um, yeah, and what you do as a social marketer because there was such a variety of people there that did so many different things, which I think is one of the things that really um, drew me to social marketing. And from is all that, over the world. Oh, yeah. Well, it was a World Social Marketing Conference. I wasn't going to say anything, but... No, I uh, I love seeing, like, there was, you know, topics on climate change, which was really cool. Um, talking about, actually, um, you know, even just talking about violence prevention. Um, there's a lot of stuff on tobacco. Uh, but, you know, gosh, so, social mar- the social marketing framework is definitely um, applicable to not just public health, but other, um, I guess, social change movements, which yeah. is really cool. So, yeah. Any final thoughts? No, not that I can, uh, not that I can think of. I, I enjoyed it, but that's you know, I do a little social marketing, a dabble. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Um, I will find you, giant bird. <laughs> that's well. Now you're the terrifying one. Yes, that bird is so terrified now. That inanimate object that looks like, looks like a bird is terrified. Good, should be. <laughs> Well, on that note, thank you for listening to Viral. Yep. Have a great day. Bye. Bye. Today's public health fact, the first animal disease ever eradicated was rinderpest, also known as cattle plague. After decades of work, it was officially declared eradicated in 2011. Thanks for listening to Viral. This podcast was written and produced by Lindsay Grove, that's me, and Quinn Lundquist. Our theme is Take Your Medicine by the Quick and Easy Boys. If you like our podcast, let us know. Leave a review, tell your friends, but most importantly, make sure to always wash your hands.